and the gates were being built not just to have walls and gates. They were built to help and bless people. And sometimes in the fallenness of our human condition, we make the mistake of thinking the project is what's important, not the people that are going to benefit from the projects. I'm here to tell you, you will never go wrong if you put people before projects. You'll never go wrong. Looking around at how the world works today, you can see how the desire for money and power drive decisions. Personal gain seems to be the top priority in many cases. But as you'll learn today, God wants you to have a different perspective. He wants you to put people first. Pastor Daniel shares that it's not that the projects aren't important, they are, but you can't lose sight of the people they're serving. It should be your focus and priority. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Nehemiah chapter 7 as he begins his message. It's all about people. It's so important for all of us to make sure that we keep the most important things front and center. And I know it's not a shock to anybody, but people are the most important thing next to God himself. Because we have to remember, there's only three eternal things in the world. There's God, God's word, and people, right? But in case you haven't noticed in our day and age, it's really easy to miss people, isn't it? Right? It's like we get so, we're so involved in so many things. I just had this the other day. You all know what it's like living in the Pacific Northwest. If you don't live where we live here, here's what I need to let you know. When it's springtime and it's the Northwest, you have to time when you're going to mow your lawn. Because it's like, if you mow your lawn, you got, everyone knows what I'm talking about here, right? It's like, you, when you mow your lawn and it starts raining, then all of a sudden the mower gets clogged. It takes you like 10 times as long. I end up with like, you know, kind of like green tattoos up my arms, trying to like get all like the, the stuff out of the chute of the lawnmower. And so, yeah, it's like, it's like an art form to time like when you're going to mow your lawn. And you know, if you don't get the lawn when the getting's good, that is horrible because it's going to literally take you eight times as long to get it done because it rains and it rains for days and you get like these, you know, marks in your lawn and it just takes forever. And so sure enough, like I've lived here long enough now to know that it's like, wait, there's a moment when all of a sudden like the light bulb goes on, like better go mow the lawn right now, right? We're like, you got to do it today. But I always find that when it's time that I know I need to get the lawn mowed and it's really fun because my son Obadiah 16 and he mows the lawn most of the time, you know which is one of the benefits of having kids, you know? But, but, but every time I'm in like a rush, I'm like, I gotta mow the lawn, I have this window and it's gonna start raining, so I better get this thing done. At that point, my youngest Annabelle always wants to be a part of the lawn mowing process, which really involves her sitting on my lap and singing while I mow the lawn, which is quite awesome to be honest with you. Because I've never wanted to sing while I'm riding a lawnmower. But, but like, she just wants to be a part of it, right? But really, when you know when your daughter's on the lawnmower with you, you got to go really slow, right? But it's funny how I catch myself in my heart 
being like, man, will she just get off the lawnmower? I gotta get this thing done before it rains. Don't judge me, I'm confessing. Just, it's good for the soul. It's not great for the reputation. But then the Lord reminds me, Daniel, you're making a memory. And right then my frustration and my like, I gotta get this thing done, calms down. And I remember that really, who cares if the lawn doesn't really get mowed? Because I want this little girl, my daughter, to have a memory. And literally, I, I came, and this just happened just last week, and I came in the house, and Lynn's like, you should have seen her. She's, she's like, was she singing? I'm like, she was totally singing. The hills were alive with the sound of music. I was just trying not to, you know, I was just trying not to run anything over in the yard, you know? And she's like, it was, Lynn was like, it was so beautiful. And I was just like, yeah. And I'm like, but it took me a minute to remember that in the journey. And I share that because I think in all that's going on in our world, we have to always remember that God has a passion for people. And sometimes we can get so caught up in things that we forget that this person, whatever, whatever the way you're clarifying or understanding who they are, that is a person who is created in the image and likeness of God, who has been sustained by God because in him we live and move and have our beings. And although that image is warped by sin, we all have that warping of the image of God in our lives because all of our lives, but that person matters to God. And it tells us in Second Peter that God's not willing that any should perish, but all would come to repentance. How, well, I mean, that verse is so huge. And so today, we're going to look at a section in the book of Nehemiah, and I'm just calling the message, it's all about people. Because really what we find in this great work of restoration that God is wanting to work in the children of Israel. It's a picture of the, this year of restoration that we're walking through together as not only a church family, but as a community and as a world. You know, it's not about getting things done. It's about what getting those things done do to the people who are involved the ways it brings blessing into the world. And so we've been studying the book of Nehemiah together. So today I want you to open up in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter seven. Nehemiah chapter seven, as we continue this series that we're calling Honest, because we keep seeing over and over again that the spirit of God is honest in explaining the variables of the restoration process, that it's not always easy, it's not always a straight line. So if you brought your Bible, open up to the book of Nehemiah, it's between the book of Ezra and Esther, right there about the first quarter of your Bible in what we call the Old Testament. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, don't worry because you got a mobile device and you can uh, read along, uh, pull up your mobile device and uh, type in uh, Nehemiah 7. We'll actually take Nehemiah 7 and 8. We're in the second portion of the book of Nehemiah. I had told you earlier that the book of Nehemiah, it's 13 chapters, but it breaks up into the first six chapters. The focus is on the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem that had been destroyed by the Babylonians, and it left the people vulnerable. And then chapters 7 to 13 really speaks about the restoring of the people, right? So you had, first you had to rebuild the walls and, and take away their 
main vulnerability, and then you can do the work of restoring the people. So really now as we move into chapter seven, we're moving into now that the walls have been built, we had seen it at the end of chapter six, it took 52 days of hard work, all sorts of issues to get those walls built. Now the focus shifts from the, re- the building of the walls to the restoring of the people. Because the reason the walls needed to be built in the first place was because with such a great vulnerability of those walls being broken down, it was impossible for the people to get built up again. So, so here's the thing. If you're looking for good baby names, come on, people. Like, like this, this is, this, there's some great names in it. One of my favorites is Big Vi. I don't know why. Whatever. Whenever I read about Big Vi, I'm like, I want to be Big Vi. Because then you can have a baby and call him Little Vi. I mean, it's like, you know, Mini Vi. It's, uh, anyway, great names. But, but, but really, what do we learn? And I always say this, because it's like when you get to this big list of names, you're like, why is this in the Bible? Well, it's simple. It's because in God's economy, people matter more than projects. Like, the walls and the gates were being built not just to have walls and gates. They were built to help and bless people. And sometimes in the fallenness of our human condition, we make the mistake of thinking the project is what's important, not the people that are going to benefit from the projects. I'm here to tell you, you will never go wrong if you put people before projects. You'll never go wrong because ultimately, I, I know I'm not the only one who does this. You get involved in a project, and then before you know it, you forget the reason you're doing it. Right? It's like you miss out on the very reason that you're even involved in this. I think it's also why I get so nervous about politics in our day and age, because the way we do politics in America is deeply dehumanizing. There are people on the other side of these things. And when you remember that God is interested in people, then it changes the way you look at the issue. Even if you don't agree with the people, and if you're a follower of Jesus, don't ever forget, what are we supposed to do with our enemies? Can I hear that again? Who said that? Jesus said that. So if you don't like it, take it up with your Savior. And Jesus lived that out by dying for us while we were still sinners. So it wasn't just like a concept for Jesus. It's like he came on a rescue mission for me long before I ever deserved it. And we follow him. And Jesus realizes that it's about people. And he invites us to get our eyes on him and on people. And this whole chapter is... It's, it's a recapitulation, because if you read Ezra chapter 2, you get this whole list again. But these are all the people who were sent into exile when Nebuchadnezzar came with the Babylonians and now had come back with that first return with a man named Zerubbabel. And all that Nehemiah did was to benefit these people. And we always have to remember don't miss the very depths or the meaning of the project. And I think it's beautiful because, I mean, there's lots that I could say about all that's going on. By the time you get to verse 66 and following, you get all these summary statements where you have total numbers of people, all the different categories of people. And what I think is really beautiful and powerful is that in order for the work to get done in the, the last, you know, verses 70 to 72, what you realize it was all these projects got done because of the generosity of a lot of people. 
It's not about the projects. And I mean, we have great projects that God has invited us into. We're going to be helping complete clean water projects in seven different nations. We love working with the Division of Youth and Family Services here in our community. They're doing huge work, enormous work, complete, you know, and there's so many needs all over the Division of Youth and Family. We're just committed as a church family to, to vulnerable families, committed. We look at what's going on in Lebanon, our partnership with Youth for Christ. We look at the humanitarian crisis that's going on in Yemen right now. And in all of these situations, we say to ourselves, if we just follow Jesus' golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I ask myself, if I was in the midst of a huge humanitarian crisis, what would I want someone to do for me? If I was a child and I had to be removed from my parents' house, whatever the reasons, what would I hope someone would do for me? Our partnership in Mexico, we're going to be building houses for single mothers who are living on the street. If that was me, what would I want someone to do for me? And then what do we do? We go and do it. We go and do it. But let's always make sure that we live our lives in such a way that we realize that God loves people and our goal is to bless and to impact people. And so now as we move into Nehemiah chapter eight, it's about people, right? It's about people. But then the question becomes is, so how do we help people? How do we become the people who bless other people? Well, it's actually really simple. So it says that in the seventh month, and in the seventh month was the beginning of their like civil calendar. For them, the seventh month would be our September, October, but for their calendar, that'd be like our January. It's the beginning of the new year. And the people gathered together, and ultimately what they did was they read to them the scriptures. And really what you learn is to, to be a person who God can use to help restore and rebuild other people People need the word of God. It's really simple. We need to be people of the scriptures. Because really what goes on is they gathered, the people were in their own cities and they gathered together there in Jerusalem and then Ezra shows on up and, and begins to, to read to the people the word of God. And not only is Ezra there reading the word of God to people, but there's all these different people who are like, explaining it to the people. In a lot of ways, Ezra and these different leaders are doing what I and other pastors here at Crosses get the pleasure of doing, where we like, hey, let's open up the scriptures, we're gonna read it to you, and then we're gonna explain to you what this means. How does this apply to our lives, right? And what happens is, is that when people receive the word of God, now all of a sudden, God begins to do an amazing work in someone's life. Because you notice it involves worship. They're worshiping God. They're hearing the word and they're starting to weep because God's word is impacting their hearts, right? And then ultimately, we move from a time of worship to a time of grieving because of our own brokenness, the ways that we're falling short, how amazing God is. And then ultimately, we move to a place of joy and then engagement in the life of God's kingdom. So brothers and sisters, listen, you need to be people of the book. And I don't mean Facebook, I mean this book. 
right? And I'm here to tell you, I don't want you to be off of Facebook. I want you to get your face in this book before you're on the Facebook so that you have something to give. You know, it was funny. I was uh, talking with, many of you might know him, uh, Rick Warren. He's uh, an amazing pastor, pastor of Saddleback Church in Southern California. And, you know, he shared with me a, a, a little practice that he has, a discipline that he's had since for many years. He said, but it's become even more important over the last year. And he, he, he says that it's HWFW, HW. LW, and that stands for his word, first word, and his word, last word. And he says what he does is that he leaves a Bible open on his nightstand. When he wakes up, the first word he puts into himself is God's word. And he says, all I do, Daniel, is I read the word until something speaks to me. And then I stop. He said, that might be three sentences. It might be one sentence. He said, because the very first thing that I want to put into my heart is God's word. His word, the first word. And then he says, when it's time to go to bed, he's like, and he says, it's important you leave your Bible open. I said, why is that? He said, oh, it's simple, Daniel. It's easy to ignore a closed Bible. It's hard to ignore an open Bible. And he's like, so before I get into bed, I pull out that Bible, it's wide open, and his word is the last word. I read it until something speaks to me. And brothers and sisters, that's a phenomenal practice. Before you put in what's on your phone, put in the word of God. You don't want the last thing that you hear to be some social media post. You want it to be the word of God. And of course, Jesus said this, quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. He, Jesus said this in Matthew 4, verse 4, when the enemy was tempting Jesus. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Just the way you'll eat all day because you need food, your soul and your spirit needs the word of God. And I'm here to tell you, in 168 hours in every week, a Sunday sermon that's 45 minutes long, even when half of it is is us reading scripture to you, It cannot overtake all 167 other hours. It can't. Like, pastors are grappling with the fact that if people watch news programs two hours every night and they come to church once on a Sunday, it makes sense that people are less like Jesus and more like a political party. Because you, you, you you can't change it. No matter how much you pray, no matter how true to the word you are, no matter how much you study. But listen, you want to be the kind of person that can join Jesus in restoring all things. The kind of person who God can use to be a vehicle for salt and light in a broken world. We need to be people of his word. Because God's word changed us. My my pastor used to say that in his first Bible that he got, it was his dad's Bible, on the first page, there was an inscription that said, this book will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from this book. And my friends, we need to be people of the word. We have more Bible translations and less Bible literacy than maybe at any other time in history. 
And not just read it to read it, but read it with a heart that is open. Read it with a heart that is saying, God, speak to me from your word. I was talking to someone just a couple weeks ago. They're like, man, Pastor Dan, I feel like God has not spoken to me in so long. I'm like, have you opened your Bible? Like, what do you mean? I'm like, you can't say God isn't speaking if you have your Bible open because he's already spoken. And you know what? Sometimes we want something new rather than God to inspire us to live what we already know. I've realized at this point in my journey with Jesus, I don't need new information. I need to live out the stuff I already know. When it says do unto others as you want to have them to do unto you, right there, I got a whole lifetime of how do I live that out today? My Bible says pray without ceasing. Do I need to read anything else about prayer? If I prayed without ceasing, I wouldn't need to read a book on prayer. I'd be learning it while I'm praying. Right? Like, like, a person shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So the question is, is can I live it? Can I do that? Jesus says the greatest is the kingdom is the what? Servant of all. <laughs> yes, I need that. You need that. We need that. The world needs the people of God. That God wants to take out our hard hearts and give us a feeling heart. So when we see areas of hardness in our hearts, we see areas of unforgiveness in our hearts, the word of God now interacts as we're reading it and reveals to us, because it goes down to the division of soul and spirit and joints and malware to discern of the thoughts and the intents of our hearts, as it says in the book of Hebrews. And as we memorize scripture and as we, as we meditate upon the, upon the Lord, now all of a sudden God's word is doing its necessary work in our lives. And what's amazing is, is now that the, the walls are built, now that the gates are hung, now the people are moving into a new phase now because now all of a sudden they're getting rebuilt and they're getting rebuilt by the word of God. Your home should be a harvest of spiritual fruit in the word of God. It shouldn't be a famine of the word of God. Now listen, some of you are bound to say, Pastor Daniel, that's great. I love it when you talk like this. We need to read the word of God, but I hate reading. Well, listen, you can listen to somebody else reading the word of God. If you got an internet connection, if you got cassette tapes, if you got CDs, I think there's even the Bible on 8-track if you're retro. (laughs) There's no excuse other than it's not that important to you. And what I have learned is that when you develop an appetite for the word of God, nothing, nothing can satisfy it. I love hearing sermons, love it, but I really love reading the word of God. Because you know what, every, I do my best to be solid, and I think most pastors do, but every pastor is fallible, and the word of God is not. The word of God's perfect, and it meets you right where you are. And if you read the saying, don't think, well, I already read that book, listen. Yes, you did, read it again you'll realize all the things you didn't realize last time. And as you do that, you develop spiritual muscles and a spiritual hunger for the Word of God. Jesus is real. You've heard the saying, you are what you eat. Basically, the idea is that what you take in shapes who you become. Well, as you learned today, this is especially true when it comes to the Word of God. 
Pastor Daniel explained that if you want to be a person who can join in with God's work of restoring what's broken or crooked, then you have to start with grounding yourself in the truth of God's Word. The more you commit to spending time reading the Bible, the more effectively you'll be able to partner with God in what He's doing. Everyone needs a little encouragement to get through their day, and we have a way to provide that for you. Pastor Daniel has some excellent advice, truth, and love to share in his two-minute messages available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the social media links to find them. You won't be disappointed, and your day just might get a little brighter. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus Is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore his people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share more about the importance of rooting yourself in the Word of God. He'll encourage you to start practicing what you already know and allow God to teach you through that process. It's all about simply responding to what God has already shown you. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Honest. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.